Back in the 70s, the mantra for teens was peace and love. In the 80s, the mantra for most teen boys was skate or die. Flash forward 20 years, and what do our youths care about? What's the Wi-Fi password? Thank you for tuning into What's the Wi-Fi Password, a place where we have discussions about topics and issues that are relevant to the teens in our generation and how to point them towards the gospel. If you have any questions or would like to learn more about this podcast, please email Joshua Shively at joshuas at calvary.com. So as we come to the end of this year, as we come to the end of 2019 and this little mini-series on Christmas, um, I, you know, we really can't get around the true purpose Jesus came and the real reason why he came and, the, and just what it's kind of all about. You know, we've spent the last couple of weeks cutting through uh, the fluff and stuff and the Hallmark movies of Christmas, right? The tinsel. All you girls that decorated the tree, thank you so much. You did such a good job. Um, I just noticed the ornaments and how you wrote on them mm-hmm. uh, tonight. And so good job with that. It's awesome. So anyway, um, they actually, what? Um, because yeah, it's, a, it's we're actually going to go straight to the Yule tree and we're just going to worship an idol. Um, so, what? Well, we'll eventually, but we'll burn it eventually. Or someone will burn it. I don't know if we'll burn it, but it'll be burned. Uh, all right, so we've been kind of cutting through that uh, stuff and fluff of Christmas, you know, kind of cutting through um, even some of the traditions we may do, like a Christmas tree. Uh, and the idea is, is kind of, okay, those things are nice and those things are good, but what is Christmas really about? And so two weeks ago, we kind of taught on and really come from Galatians chapter four, verses four through seven, the first section there. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman. And so we had taught on or we talked on in the fullness of time, God sending his son. Uh, we went to John three sixteen, and really God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And we talked about and we opened up just kind of the pages of the Bible and let it speak to our hearts of why God sent his son. And what that truly meant and what that means to us as, as he forgives us and as he's that propitiation, that covering, that in between us and the creators, so that we can have relationship with the God that loves us and created us. Then last week we, we went to that next section, which is God sent forth a son born of a woman born under the law. And we really dove into the, the theology of the virgin birth, talked about the Apostles' Creed and, and just the craziness of the fact that we believe God sent forth his son through normal birth, just like you and I, but from a virgin. So he had no, no sin of man. He was not from the seed of man. And so he had no sin, no sin nature. As you and I, are, we are made in God's image as these humans. And it's not our human kindness that's broken, but it's the sinful nature upon us. And, and Jesus showed that through his life. And then really as his life and his ministry expanded to really impact the entire Roman world, you guys, the entire world even today, we talked about how this, this birth that we celebrate, you know, a week from today or a week and a day from today, this birth of this child, right, this God child, how, how it cast this giant, enormous shadow over all eternity. But it ended with something that wasn't expected, was it? It ended with something that truly, like, defined Jesus' life and then his death. It ended with the cross. 
And so you can read the, the Gospel of Luke chapters 1 and 2 and you can get the Christmas story. And just like we will on Christmas morning, we'll read you know, chapters 1 and 2 of Luke to verse 40 there in chapter 2. And, and talk about this birth story, this narrative of Jesus. But then as you go more in depth of the word, whether Old Testament prophecies or the fruition of those in the New Testament, we have Galatians chapter 4 we've been kind of studying in. And it all has to come to this point of, of being redeemed, of being forgiven, of being made right, and that's what the cross is. And so kind of spoiler alert, but it all ends with the cross. It all comes to fruition. It all comes to this pinnacle, this climax, as Jesus dies on that Roman cross. And we see that that is the true purpose of Christmas. It's the true reason for the season. <laughs> um, but you guys, like, we have to take this to heart. We have to really understand this. We have to truly take this in the, the fullness of what it is. Because in the beautiful time of Christmas, where we do celebrate family, we celebrate friendship, we celebrate giving and, and getting of, of beautiful gifts, whether from God himself or from each other. You know, our leaders, we had a leader's Christmas on Sunday party, and we did a secret Santa. I'm tired of white elephant gifts. We did a secret Santa, and it was really cool seeing our leaders, like, love on one another, like give each other real meaningful gifts. And it's just this idea that we get to know one, one another, we get to love on one another, and, and it is a beautiful season. But we really see the ultimate gift that was given by Jesus on the cross. And we cannot underestimate, we cannot just kind of bypass that fact of the cross and how it means so much to us in our faith. Because without that cross, you guys, without that, that death on that cross, Jesus' life really meant nothing. And as we're going to talk about tonight, that resurrection that came after the cross, that truly put a stamp of approval that proved he was God, and, and not only died for the sins of man, but then rose conquering death, the great equalizer of, the, of, us, of us, of our creature, of our kind, he conquered it, and he made it all right. So that you and I can have eternity with our God. And this is the beautiful purpose, this is the beautiful meaning of Christmas as we continue to go through this. So the section tonight we're going to read through, verse 5 there, chapter 4, Galatians chapter 4, verse 5, to redeem those who are under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons and daughters. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Pray with me. Father, we come before you and we ask for your word to be real and true to us tonight. That, God, as we celebrate the end of this year, we celebrate, Lord, the friends that we've made this year. We celebrate just what you've done in our lives and what you continue to do in our lives. God, I just ask and I pray right now that we would just meditate on your word. We meditate on what is real and true. And we would understand the true purpose of this season. And, and we know, we get it. You weren't born on December 25th, but we celebrate that day that you were born so that we can celebrate the day you died for us. Lord, we just thank you and praise you for that. Thank you for forgiving our sins. I thank you for the cross. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So very much like the virgin birth, where we believe this crazy theology that God was born through the, the birth canals, like every other human being, but yet from a virgin. Right? We believe this, this crazy theology, but yet we believe it by faith, because it makes sense within the theology that God would, would come to earth that way. To show us that he is fully God, yet fully man. We talked about that last week. In the same way, here's this Messiah who, would, who could, could have conquered the world. He could have overthrown the Roman government. He could have brought down legions of angels. And they could have just stomped the greatest world power 
of, the, of that time, right? The Romans. He could have stomped them. With like five angels, he could have stomped them. But yet, instead of conquering, instead of overthrowing, instead of like, establishing his kingdom right then and there, which he could have done, the devil even tempted him to do it, we see that Jesus actually lived his life, had a ministry, and spoke this ministry of an upside-down kingdom, where the first shall be last and the last shall be first. And there's this beautiful promise that the meek will inherit the earth. And it's just this upside down kingdom and actually put, kind of put an approval and, and, and not just spoke the words, but walk the walk in a sense, as he died on that Roman cross, showing him that the first will be last and the last will be first. That to, to, be, to be master of all, you must be servant of all. To die on that cross. He just kind of showed us that so in the same way as Christians, we don't just believe in a God that... that was born and became man and lived a sinless, perfect life, yet lived as a man as we did. But we also believe as Christians that that God then willingly put himself on a cross or allowed the Romans and the Jews to put him on a cross, which is still today to mankind is still the most horrific way to die, right? The crucifixion is still known to man the most horrific and painful way to die. And yet put, allowed himself to be put on that cross, endure all the torture, endure all the pain, endure all the shame, and not only that, physically, but then spiritually took on the sin of mankind. And we believe that, that, that our God allowed himself to go through that. To build a bridge between us, between creator and creator. Creator and creature. That's crazy, right? Isn't that nutso theology? I mean, think of another religion, you guys. Think of another, of another mysticism or, or some type of ancient antiquity of, of religion that believes that their God would sacrifice himself humble himself first off to become fully man, but yet then humble himself and sacrifice himself on the cross for his creature. I mean, there's no other God out there that would do that. There's no other theology out there that would explain this. And yet this is the God that we believe in. So in verse 5, it says there, Galatians 4, it says, to redeem those who are under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. You see, our first birth was into sin, Correct? You were born human, right? Every one of us. Yes, Josh was born human. Okay. You had a mama, you had a dad. Okay. And you were born in the image, like you were born and made in this image of God and this beautiful thing that happens in the mother's womb and it is just this awesome miracle. But you were born and you were born with the sin nature and that is your first birth. You can't escape it. (laughs) There's nothing you can do about it. You could have been the most cutest, chubbiest, curly haired little Gerber baby ever made and you still would have been a sinner. You would have been. Because you were born with a sin nature. Your first birth, you were born with a sin nature and you had no choice. You just didn't. But see then, it says, so that we might receive adoption as sons or as daughters. See, in Christianity, we have this thing called salvation. We have this thing that we, we claim that I'm, I'm, you know, maybe you've heard it before, to be born again. Crazy term, right? Again, if you're not a Christian, you're sitting here tonight and you've never heard that, you'd be like, what do you mean I got to be born again, Josh? How does that happen? If you remember the story of Nicodemus in the Gospels, right? He asked Jesus, Jesus, I'm an old man. How am I going to be born again? Literally with some satire asking Jesus, how am I going to be born again? Like that doesn't happen. It doesn't compute. This doesn't make sense. Right? I know. Let your imagination go with that. It's seriously, that's what he was saying. The idea here is that we have this term born again, but literally it is a second birth. It's a second birth. It's a second life where I am no longer now just not given a choice and born into a sin nature, but that I am redeemed and now I am adopted as sons and daughters. 
I don't know if any of you in here are adopted. Um, I actually took on the name Shively in my 20s and it was adopted by my stepdad. And it was a pretty neat process. It was after actually me and Erica got married and we decided that my stepdad, we wanted him to be the grandpa of our kids and like their name to be Shively. And so after we got married, we took on the name Shively and we became adopted. Now, in your, when you're an adult, all you gotta do is go before a judge. You know, the, the man you're being adopted by has to sign the piece of paper and you gotta sign the piece of paper. But now, legally, I am Shively, right? If you look up the name Joshua Norman Reeves, he doesn't exist anymore, right? That's what I was born as, was a Reeves. He doesn't exist anymore. My social security card, everything about me is now Shively, right? Everything. And so as this verse says that you are adopted, where once you were born into sin, where your nature, your last name would have been sin, brokenness, corruption, uh, missing the mark, away from God. Your last name is now holy. Your last name is now set apart. Your last name is now redeemed. And he says this verse here, Paul says this verse in Galatians 5, to redeem those who were under the law so that now you would receive adoption. See, in our second birth, we now have a choice to be called a son or daughter of our Heavenly Father. Your first birth, you didn't have a choice. Second birth, you do. You have a choice to be adopted. This word redeem is to compensate for the faults or bad aspects of something. To gain or regain, or regain possession of something in exchange for a payment. See, we were redeemed by the blood of Christ. We were redeemed by His sacrifice on the cross where you and I were all stuck in our first birth. We were all stuck in that sin nature. There was nothing that you and I could have done. Like I said, you could have been the chubbiest, little curly-haired, most cutest little Gerber baby. You could have been the best teenager in the world. You could sit here tonight and go, man, I obey my parents. I'm nice to my siblings. I take off the trash when they ask me. I don't ever cuss. Josh never yelled at me. Like you can go through the list. The fact is you could have never redeemed yourself. It had to have been the cross. It had to have been a perfect sacrifice like we learned about last week. Jesus living a perfect and sinless life as fully man. He had to be the one that died on that cross. And so in that, like that second definition says to gain or regain a possession or or exchange of something lost or a payment of something lost. I love how the, the, the description says to regain where we look all the way back in Genesis and we were given that first birth of perfection. We were given that first birth of connection with God and walking in the cool of the day with our, with our, our creator. I love that verse. I can just imagine like walking on some forested you know, path and God's like t- talking and walking with me, you know? But see, that was perfect. And see, Jesus has given us back that you and I now, we are adopted. We are now sons and daughters. And see you guys, in the same way that Joshua Norman Reeves no longer exists, when we obtain this adoption because of Jesus' payment on the cross, we are now obtain a full like, son or daughtership of God. This would have meant so much. See, in our culture today, it kind of lost its zeal. It's lost its flavor. But that term adoption to the Roman world meant a lot because three-fourths of the Roman government or the Roman world really was, were slaves. And it didn't mean that they were like slaves like we imagine slaves like in our, in our, in our American history. But slavery was, in a sense, you could sell yourself into slavery because you were in debt or your, your family was poor. And you could, you could actually get good masters, a man or a woman that owned an estate. And you lived on their estate and you worked on their land. And you got a par- portion of those goods and that money to help redeem, in a sense, even your family and your family name. But yet at some point, you could, you could maybe 
fall in love with another one of his slaves or daughters, right, or, or sons, and, and you would want to get married, or you just really love this master and his wife, and so you would ask them to redeem you, you would ask them to adopt you, and as they would adopt you, you literally would become, by law, an, a son or daughter of that family. There would be no separation. You would not be a stepson or a stepdaughter or an adopted son or daughter. You would be a full-blooded son or daughter of that master. There would be no separation. Even by law, you are now entitled to the heir. You are entitled to a part of the estate, just like any other son or daughter. And in some cases, actually above the firstborn because of the sacrifice and because of what it truly took to adopt you. And to, to, to say like, yeah, I, I had no choice with this kid, but I got a choice with you. So that means something. Seriously. It meant so much to this world that Paul was writing to in Galatians. It would mean so much to these Christians to understand, wait, as the Roman government established this adoption law, you're saying God establishes something very similar, if not even more powerful than that. That there's no stepsons, no stepdaughters, there's no adopted son or daughters by title, but I am just a son or daughter of God because of the redeeming work of Jesus on the cross. That's a powerful thing. Where many of our world have no parents or have maybe a single parent home or they have no relationship mostly with their fathers. The idea that you've been forsaken, you've been like forgotten or left behind by a parent, but yet your heavenly father, by the work of himself on the cross, has redeemed you in saying, it's a free gift. I'm offering you this redemption. I'm offering you this salvation. Do you want it? And brothers and like little brothers and sisters, you have a choice in this. This is your second birth and God gives you a choice. Verse six, Paul continues and says, and because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, because you are sons. Not only does he adopt us and redeem us, not only do we have now as, as sons and daughters this salvation, this eternal life with our God, but then he also gives us the gift of his spirit within us. He loves us enough to say, to say I don't want to just keep you the way you are. I want to make you better. You know, wait till you have a kid, right? You have a son, especially. They'll poop their diaper. <laughs> and they won't want you to change it. They're busy playing. They're hanging out outside. And you're like, oh man, you stink. Come here. They're like, no. No, I'm good. I'm good. But see, you love that kid enough to take them out of what they're doing and change their poopy diaper. You love them enough because you know, no, dude, you're going to keep stinking. The other kids aren't going to like you. Uh, you're going to get a diaper rash. It's going to come out of the diaper. It's going to be all bad. All bad in many different ways. There's some visuals for you guys. (laughs) But you love your son or your daughter enough to pull them up and to change their diaper. You love them enough to dig into the grossest thing that their body can exchange to make them clean. And yet God looks at us and doesn't just say, okay, I've redeemed you. I've given you this free gift. You get salvation. I'll see you when you die. But he says, no, I'm going to put my spirit, my Holy Spirit inside of you and I'm going to make you better. I'm going to grow you. I'm going to mature you. I'm going to convict you of sin that's going to hurt you and wound you, give you diaper rash. I'm going to clean you up. I'm going to pull you out of that. I'm going to clean you up. Romans 8, 14 says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. See, the spirit inside of us does not drive us to a place of bondage or slavery like the world does, but it drives us to a place of freedom, 
a freedom within our God, a freedom that when you feel comfortable, when you are with friends or you're with family or your dad or your mom, whoever you are that you're comfortable around and you're out with them, you don't think, you don't question about anything. I know when, when we're going out as a family, I know, and Erica knows, that like I've got my wallet, I've got my ID, I've got the keys, I've got the extra cash. Like she knows that. Like she doesn't bring her, she usually doesn't even carry her ID with her because she knows like hubby's got it. My kids don't carry money around with them. They may carry a couple bucks or something like that, but they know like if we go to a coffee shop, they're going to get a coffee because dad loves them and he's got things covered. They know they're protected. They know they're covered. And my kids know that they, they, can, they can be themselves because dad's got them. And hopefully you have somebody like that in your life. But that's what Paul's talking about here as he says, crying, Abba, Father. Now that Abba is, is Jewish for daddy. Daddy, Papa. We were at the San Francisco Zoo, I don't know, years ago when our kids were little. And we're just cruising around with them. And there's like a big open area. And I noticed a, a Jewish family. They had the yarmulkes on. And they were kind of cruising around. They had little kids like Seth and Ellie. And I hear, Abba, Abba. And the kid was like running up behind the dad. And I was like, oh, there it is. It's Abba. It's Daddy. Oh my gosh. It's real. <laughs> but like, because you read it so many times. And what is it? It's like, okay, Abba, Father. Okay, Daddy. But think about it. Think of when you were little. Think of when you were, when you're, you, if you were to work in children's ministry, like many of you I know do. And you walk up to that little two-year-old or three-year-old, and they just go like this, right? They're just saying, all right, pick me up. You got me, right? The best is Georgia Klingenberg, right? That girl is hard to please. <laughs> she, is just, she is just hard to please. But man, when she walks up to you and goes, you're like, oh, yeah, <laughs> I won. Today I have victory. But there is, you know? Like they know, like, I'm comfortable with you. I can, I can reach up to you and I can, I can lean into you and I know you're going to hold me and you're not going to drop me. I mean, think about that. Like kids like just get passed around like little babies and they're like, they're not going to drop me. Like I know they're not going to drop me. They're just comfortable. They're just real. They can cry out knowing that they're not going to be shamed or, or pushed away because they're crying or because they're in need of something. And see, Paul here isn't speaking to babies, guys. He's speaking to grown men and women in the Galatian church. He's speaking to us 2,000 years later saying, you can have that same relationship with your heavenly father. You can have that same softness, that same genuineness, that same sincere faith to say, God, I need you. Abba, Father, God, I need you. I need you in my life. I need you not just to redeem me, but to change me, to send your spirit to me, convict me, like make me better. Put a calling on my life that's greater than anything I can do. Abba, Father. Hmm. It's a beautiful part of the cross, you guys. That Jesus didn't just come to die on that cross, but if you remember in the Gospels, as he, as he, after he died and he rose again and he, he speaks with his disciples, he says, I must go so that I can send the helper, so that my spirit can stay within you. Jesus ascends and the, the disciples receive the Holy Spirit. and they, It's the Spirit of God inside of them. So that they would not just remember the words of Jesus. They would not just try to write them down and, and so that the rest of the generations of Christians would, would, would hear the stories. But so that literally 2,000 years later, you and I can sit here in a room knowing by faith and by truth that we have that same spirit within us that convicts us and drives us and pushes us to a place of crying out, Abba, Father. As mature, grown Christian men and women. The spirit is not something to, to, to just think of a concept, but it literally is something inside of you that calls you to a place of mourning when we're supposed to mourn and to rejoice when we're supposed to rejoice. 
to know that if we never see the Zunigas again, if we never see them again here on earth, we're going to spend eternity with these guys. And I'll meet you at the tree of life, dude. <laughs> like, it just, we just know that. By faith, we know that. I've met Christians in, in all over the world that I've done work with and worked in orphanages and built churches. And, and when the mission trip's over, you give them a hug and go, okay, I'll see you in eternity, bro. And that's life. But I know that with the Holy Spirit in me and the Holy Spirit in them, like we're on the same mission. We're in the same mission. Paul continues in verse 7 by saying, So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Again, he says here that we are not slaves. We are no longer slaves. Now, Another thing, or the, really the third thing the cross did for us as we look at this Christmas story and the cross is such a pinnacle of it, is that it gave us the freedom not to, to be bound by sin. Now the Holy Spirit is always going to be there to convict you guys. It is. But when we look at our Christian walk and we look at, at who we are even today, if you were to look in the mirror and say, okay, like where do I stand in my Christian walk? And you were to kind of put a, one, a number of 1 to 10 on how important is prayer to me? Is it a, is it a 1 is it a 10? Is it a 3? Is it a 4? How important is reading God's word to me? How important is some time of silence and solitude before my God? How important is, is, is fellowship? Being here with other Christians. How important is, is, is seeking God and his will for my life? And taking a walk down by the beach, feeling the sand between your toes and just saying, God, thank you that I live in such a beautiful place. How important are those things in your life? Because the Holy Spirit, I believe, if you're a Christian, lives within you. And it's always going to be there kind of knocking on the door. It's going to kind of be there convicting you. But see, if those things are not a priority to you, then the Spirit's going to keep convicting, but, but are you going to listen? You guys are teenagers. I know you're told what to do all the time. <laughs> I get it. You got parents telling you. You got teachers telling you. I tell you what to do. You got, you got people telling you to do what, do, what to do all the time. But see, the Holy Spirit is not going to tell you what to do. It's going to convict you. And it's going to, it's going to urge you. And it's going to tell you, like, that's... That's a poopy diaper, and you're going to get a diaper rash if you keep doing that. Go get cleaned. Go to Pastor Josh. Tell him what's up. I'm not going to clean your diaper, but I'll tell you. <laughs> Sorry, I had to go there. But the idea, the idea is that this, the Spirit is inside of you, and it's asking you, what's, what's your priorities in life? What's important? Because this Savior died for you. This Savior, this God sent me to you to live within you, to give you a purpose in life, to, to show you a better way of living, to give you life to the full. And yet you're choosing these other things that hurt you and harm you, or you're choosing things that just aren't drawing you closer to God. And really in the end, you guys, is drawing you to slavery rather than to freedom. See, we are called sons and daughters, and in that we are heirs through God. Heirs. Like I said, this term adoption, it brought these, these Romans to a place of literally being a son or a daughter and, and an inheritance, uh, to be an heir of whatever that estate would be. Even above some of the blood sons and daughters, in a sense. And so the idea here is that the heir that we are, what, the inheritance that we receive, because what Jesus did on the cross, I mean, you guys think about that. We get that inheritance. We get that blessing. We get the redemption. We get the salvation. We get the eternal life. We get the free gift 
a salvation from our God by the work of what Jesus did. The first Christmas present ever given to you guys was not frankincense and myrrh. I, like, I don't even know when they gave that to Jesus. Probably when he was like four or five years old. The first real Christmas gift was Jesus on the cross, arms out wide saying, like, I'm redeeming you. This salvation is for you. This gift of grace and redemption is for you. This is the first real gift of Christmas, and Jesus gives it to us by his work on the cross. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1-5 through 5 says, When I came to you, brothers, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech of wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstrations of the spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in wisdom of men, but in the power of God. There's all kinds of fluff and stuff around Christmas, guys. There's all kinds of traditions. There's all kinds of things that we can do to make ourselves feel good and make ourselves feel like, like yeah, I'm, 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 I'm kind of in the season. I'm in the mode, right? I'm, I got all the feels going on. But see, ask ourselves and ask, I ask myself this, is that first gift that Jesus gave on the cross, is the whole meaning of Christmas really what's important to me? Is, is what Jesus did on that cross for my redemption and my salvation really what's important to me? Or is it just a concept I think about? Is it just a story I read to my kids on Christmas morning so that we can get to the breakfast and presents? Or is it truly what I believe? Is it truly what, what clings me to my God and my Savior because of that gift he gave me on the cross? See, you guys, this, is, this is, is meant to be a heavy message. It is. But see, I want you to walk out of here rejoicing that you are forgiven. Rejoicing that you are redeemed because of that beautiful work on the cross. And, and as much faith as it takes to believe that God came through the birth, birth of a virgin and that he lived a perfect and sinless life, showing us this upside-down kingdom, a kingdom of love and grace and a fulfillment of prophecy, and then died on a Roman cross, as much faith as it takes to say that my God sacrificed himself on a cross for me and you and all mankind, and then rose again from the dead, now sits at the right hand of the Father, always interceding for you and I. As much faith as it takes to say that and believe that, you guys, I hope that you would leave here tonight knowing that you are saved, knowing that you are redeemed. And if there's anyone in here tonight that does not know that, without a shadow of a doubt that you are redeemed, that you've accepted that free gift of Jesus on the cross, that you would talk to me tonight, that you would talk to your small group leader, whoever you're comfortable with, that they would pray with you so that you would know that, that when you leave this room, that as you end 2019, that Jesus is your Savior. You guys, you want to know, not because your parents are Christians, not because you've been raised in a Christian family, not because your last name is associated with a good Christian faith and heritage, but the fact is you want to know so that you can be a son or a daughter and receive that heir, receive that, that inheritance because Jesus is worked on the cross, so that you can be adopted into the, into the kingdom of God. You want to know that. God doesn't have any stepkids, you guys. He has sons and daughters. Father, we just come before you and we just thank you again for the cross. Thank you for how beautiful, how simple, yet how profound and real and true that it is. God, help us to realize that and know that through this Christmas season. Lord, we thank you for this season. We thank you for the beautifulness of it. We thank you for, for all the meanings 
that we can, we can pull out of just the, the secularism of it. Thank you that it does help us focus on the cross and focus on your birth and your resurrection. Thank you so much. God, we just right now give to you our praise and our worship. We thank you again for it. Help us to honor you with our lives. Help us to, to know and to, to praise the fact that we are redeemed and saved in you. Jesus, I just thank you so much for this. In your name, amen. Calvary Monterey's youth ministries meet on Tuesday nights at 6.30 p.m. at Calvary Monterey. Both middle school and high school students are welcome. Come on out. You belong here. And I promise, we don't bite.